So Anna is six shots of espresso in a latte, an excessive number of espresso shots. Is that a six shot latte? It it is. I'm trying to figure out like Aiden, what the Go to the hospital. <laughs> no. <laughs> Welcome to the Movie Overload podcast. The podcast thing that we do this time when Whoa. we do it. Um, my name is Where Chicken We Do It. Oh, Brent. <laughs> what? Because I can't stop thinking about Claudia with a ch- chance of meatballs lately. So that's. Uh oh. We're traveling through the history of cinema from the trip to the moon to Parasite on a weekly movie club thing. And my name is Chicken Brent. Chicken Brent. Okay, and Chicken Brent. And your names. I'm Anna. Okay. Okay, that's good. That's one. Thank I'm, you. I'm Hunter. Okay, that's two. I'm, I'm mildly annoyed already. Oh, oh that's a good one. Savage. But uh, my name's Aiden. Dang. Oh, I thought yeah. that was your name. Dang it. You can call me mildly annoyed already. You can also, as always, just sigh into the microphone, <laughs> and I will get the hint. <laughs> Okay, interesting. So, you know, another in our new line of mouth noise names, we've got and we've got I can't sign to my mic. You can't? Try. You can sigh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That was just breathing aggressively into my mic. (laughs) It works. Yeah. Uh, So today we are talking about Stop, you're going to make me yawn. I'm pretty sure they say like... I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to do a French accent and see if that fixes it. Oh, us. An American doing an Italian accent to pronounce a Russian name. Yeah. Makes sense to me. I'm sorry. Should I do it in a different accent? Should I do it in a in a Greek accent? Like I assume, like Theophilus the Greek Theophilus yeah. would have if I was okay. Did anybody else Theo. just totally miss all of his dialogue because the entire time they were trying to figure out if he had a discernible Greek accent in Russian? No, because no, I, no. Is that just me? I I don't yeah. know what that would okay. sound like. That's because that's why I was stuck on it because I was desperately trying to figure out. If when he said things that sounded weird, if that was a, I, because I think, he had a Greek accent, I think I don't know what Greek people sound like. You need to watch more Yargos, I guess. I, I'm not yeah. entirely sure if he was meant to be like a Greek, uh, like immigrant or just someone of Greek descent, or possibly just like. But he's just he's Greek. Is it like, it's a is nickname it, is it because like being symbolism, possibly. No. <laughs> I'm converting to Greekism. I don't know. I just yeah. want euros I, all the time. I, just in terms <laughs> oh, of like, dang it, maybe I'm Greek. I mean, if I learned like, anything from being really into right? Percy Jackson in middle school, uh-huh. uh, like the Greeks did have a religion. I guess you could convert to ancient Greeks. Yeah. I don't know what it's called other than just pantheonism. Sure, Some let's go with that. Kind of, yeah, pig. it's like it's like a specific their specific brand of like pantheism yeah my parents wouldn't let me read those books for a couple years because they were afraid that i would get confused 
by yeah. the fact that more than one god exists in those books. Again, why I wasn't allowed to watch Yu-Gi-Oh. What? Okay. Wait. And at this point, my parents have completely repressed that memory. And like, why would we ever do that? That's fucking stupid. And I'm like, yeah, nice. it is, Here's... isn't it? Okay, I... but that's bonkers because I had sort of the opposite experience where the, the Christian what? school that I went to, my professor insisted upon the fact that the Greek gods are real. What? Oh, but they're demons. Oh, yeah. I Well, that was kind of a... But he didn't... Mm-hmm. Right. That's kind of what we took from it. I don't think he yeah. fully wanted to say that that's what they... They are just other celestial yeah. beings, but they're of a lower tier. Right. I Interesting. I actually could see where he got there theologically, and I wouldn't, like... His dad wrote a book on it. Whoa. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, I don't care that much about the Greek gods. I just <laughs> definitely believe in, like, celestial beings that yeah. aren't God. It's kind of interesting i i just i found it really weird that that was the thing that he wanted to spend all of our time on in that class because we had such a long like list of things that we could have gone through (laughs) like (laughs) the republic or something and he just did not care because he wanted to just completely detour talking about basically how women are less intelligent and the greek gods are real and and I th- and if you buy Kindle books, then it means that you don't like reading. Oh my gosh! All of those things are true. So I guess it's, all yeah. of them. He was yeah. a, I guess, like, he's not a massive prick who somehow he had got paid bun. to yell at children <laughs> and a red his beard. Weird nice. beliefs, as most teachers do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because he was the um, the nephew of the head of the school. Nice. Yeah. Ooh, can cool. someone spell nepotism? Nepotism. Uh, N e so Andre Rublev oh, is a film. Oh, oh wait, oh wait. I just rem- I, I, mm. oh, yeah. I feel bad now. No, say it. Because we're like two conversations removed. I just remembered that I was hearing someone talk about like the Percy Jackson series and like all the other series that that guy has written yeah. and how yeah. like they're kind of like even though they're all like the different mythologies, they like kind of take place all in like a shared world and they kind of oh, yeah. all coexist. And oh, then he was do. and he was like, it's implied that Jesus exists among all these. And I'm like, oh, nice. that would be awesome. Yeah. That'd be hilarious. The next book series is just <laughs> like... The disciples. Just, just There's Jesus. only one. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the heck? <laughs> that would be But then would they go into tackle. the whole creature storyline where like, or like the last temptation of Christ where like, yeah. oh, this is the gods who, the demigods who are the sons of... Of the Christian Christ, yeah. and uh, the really monastic order like insisted on the only up your power that they line. have is just making more food. Like that's nice. the bit is that that's how they figure out the kid figures out he's a demigod because he's like there's always so much food at my house. Get it's it. the place that all my friends come over because they open the fridge and they're like, oh, do you want the last piece of cheese? And then they're like, oh, don't worry about it. And you just keep peeling and, and peeling. He's at Camp Half and Blood, infinite and he gets put of American in cheese. Uh, the Dionysus uh, cabin because he can turn the water into wine, and so everyone thinks he's like oh, man. on with Dionysus, like, oh. even though Dionysus like hasn't gotten it on in like millennia. And yeah, they're like, how, how old are you? Wow. He's like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. When Jesus is just going all around getting some like. Mary's 
swole up. I didn't think about the like. I guess uh, Martin Scorsese would executive produce this film. I didn't I think believe. about it that far. I just was like, "Aha! Uh-huh. It's funny to put Christianity alongside these other things that he wrote funny books about." No, I and then when you put I it don't all know. Together, it's a it's a wild time. Anyway, anyway, I'm sorry. That's it. So uh, monasteries are cool. We're talking yeah. about this because monks. And uh, you know, icon painters. <laughs> he, he big mm-hmm. monk. Uh, some some background. Andre Rublev was a historical figure. Yes. And also, uh, I don't think there was any real like desire to make an Andre Rublev biopic on the part of the, the filmmakers here. Mm. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, from mm. what I have seen, they wanted. Uh, Andrei Tarkovsky wanted to do a movie about I, I mostly what this movie is about is uh, being in Russia during the Middle Ages and it's sucking. It was real so bad. muddy the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think Russia was that gross, mm. but at least that oh, portion yeah. of Russia. That bit with the guy who has the giant like stick and he keeps trying to hit guys yeah. is the yeah. most Russian thing that I've ever so seen funny. in my life. That's like stereotypically <laughs> it Russian. Great. I like it was bit. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh so this movie is is dense. It is yeah. a uh, pound cake that you forgot to put the yeast in and it turned into a brick. Um, <laughs> and you just stand over your sink at two in the morning eating this pancake by trying. the fistful because you're just like... <laughs> I just need it. I'm not going to finish my sentence. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yep. Good. We're going to... Thank you for your sure. contribution. Cool. <laughs> I like that we can't see you on your camera anymore. So yeah, uh, totally well, chicken breast curls up into a little ball and <laughs> Wait, you withers away. Every... <laughs> Why uh, do I even bother naming myself? I Wait. I didn't chicken. hear your name. Chicken. I'm Chicken Brent. I was just called oh. Chicken Breast. <laughs> can you blame me for the making that mistake? <laughs> Nobody can see me on camera, so nobody can confirm or deny whether No or not. visual gags in the podcast. <laughs> no visual gags in the podcast. No holding up uh, cheese-stuffed chicken breasts. That's that's like a dish, right? Chicken cordon bleu? Uh, yeah. 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 I so. so I can't just hold up chicken cordon bleu. Oh, I'm doing it right now. No one will know. Oh, that looks yeah. yummy. Wow. That Can I have Anyway, speaking of this movie, there was that famine... About two hours in, Whoa. that was pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the one girl was eating like sticks, and that was pretty sad. And they were yep. eating like moldy apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that happened. Honestly, I was really vibing with this movie at the beginning. I was like, mm. wow, like five to seven minute little vignettes mm-hmm. that offer nuggets of wisdom about God and spirituality. Like, this is so cool. And then. I started getting a little bit less into it. I think partly just as it like kept going and I was like, Oh, it's still going and Russia is still muddy. Um, (laughs) And then especially when like the raid happened and things got really sad, I was Mm -hmm. just like, I'm just sad now. Yeah. But I get it. Like I get like, it's, it's important to your theology to be able to look at things like that raid and say, okay, where, where is God? Like, do I still want to, be someone who paints Jesus like an iconographer. Uh, That's like 
the most Russian theme ever, though. Like, it's literally all of Russian literature is like, everything sucks. It's... How do I exist? Yeah, we like can Dostoevsky. go to the whole, whole War and Peace, uh, like, stereotypical sort of thing. But that is one of the major themes of this entire movie is how do human beings deal with uh, suffering and mm-hmm. how... Because there are a, a lot of different elements in here that break down really interestingly. And that, that's the thing with the density of this movie. This movie doesn't have a single theme that it follows through the whole thing. It's not Mm-mm. that clear-cut. It is, And all of the characters that we meet at the beginning are dead by halfway through. Well, uh, most except of them. for Andre and Kirill, and, and that other guy who gets yeah. take carried away, and they a lot of break people his die. fancy um, instrument during the siege of oh, Vladimir. Yeah. I think uh, it's implied that Andre and the uh, uh, mute girl are the only ones who survive. I think they say that, but then there's also another guy who comes yeah. back and he's like, "Some say we ever people escaped, and some say they died." Well, yeah. the guy that comes back is Kirill, but he was coming from a different town. No, it was, it was another guy talking to Kirill. No, oh. so he was talking, was like and he said, I came uh, from Vladimir. He's like, oh, there's someone else here. And he is uh, doing a vow of silence for evil deeds that he has done in atonement. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's Andre. And uh, yeah, so. Because he killed a guy who was trying to do some man. bad things that triggered me. I, Carrying yeah. a woman over that his shoulder. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, so like, this might be a good point to get into the fact that this movie has two cuts. Uh, it has a 205-minute cut that was first released, and then the director's cut, which is about 183 minutes. And that's the, odd. Watched. Yeah, mm-hmm. the I have seen both of them. I think I'm the only one here who has seen both. Yeah. The main difference between the two cuts is. Uh, the original cut was likely never intended to be the finished film. Hmm. Essentially, the Ru- uh, Russian state at that point had a film advisory board, and Tarkovsky d- explained that the original cut had a lot more graphic violence and nudity. The, hmm. the pagan scene is extended a bit and hmm. stuff like that. Uh, and fully expecting it to just ha- get cut by the censors, he's basically just giving the censor something to, to <laughs> censor so that he, they'd leave alone all the rest of the stuff he wanted in the movie. And the Russian government uh, saw this movie and they stalled it out for a decade. Like Dang. this this movie was in like distribution hell forever. There are a lot of reasons why people expect that the g- Russian government at the time didn't want this released because uh, it was under like the... Um, sort of communist Russian government that was trying to paint Russia as this strong worldly force that is upright and beautiful and a thing to be inspired to. And in this movie, Russia is a shit place to live mm-hmm. where everyone is miserable. That that doesn't really fit the vibe. It also uh, is pretty critical and for, forthright with a period of Russian history that likely wanted to be forgotten it's uh, a time when the Tartars or like the Genghis Khan and sort of like the Mongolian Empire was spreading into Russia and just just killing people randomly. And 
of course, the Russian leaders and government at the same time had no concern for the people. And there was a lot of just open suppression of joy. So, like, that scene, the second vignette of the movie, this this movie is comprised of vignettes over the life of Andrei Rublev. You just pick up at different points in the life. Uh, notably, though he is an icon painter, you never see him painting. That's true. You only see his paintings at the very end of the movie. Uh, those, like, very slow, like, shots mm-hmm. over the paintings. Those are mm-hmm. the paintings of the real Andrei Rublev. Mm-hmm. And so it's just vignettes of, like, people trying to come to terms with the state of the world and their beliefs on theology and such. And in the very first scene, when uh, Quirrell, Quirrell uh, goes out and sells out the jester, at that point in time, it was actually illegal. Uh, jesters were, like, banned by oh. the government. That's why mm. he, was, he was taken away. It was... They were seen as the servants of the devil because, as seen in the display, it had, like, this sort of body, uh, more risque quality to it. Right. Mm. That, that, that whole sort of thing. And, but at the same time, the interesting correlation here where I, I honestly don't know, like, I, I find this film interesting because it's not, it doesn't have a, philosophy you can really pin down mm-hmm. because it seems to be on on its face a fairly uh christian um like eastern orthodox like, yeah, sort eastern of orthodox s- sort of film but the only people who bring joy or experience joy in the film are are non-believers or people who are seen as sinners the the mm-hmm. pagans in their like nights of like uh frolicking uh who are persecuted by the church and like torn down and and killed for being pagans or the jester who is going around making these people laugh and then the religious order comes in and everyone goes silent Mm -hmm. it's 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 a major theme in the movie that that sort of thing there where but on the other hand, it's not like unsympathetic mm-hmm. to to Christian views, and it it isn't really advocating for any sort of abolition of like religious power entirety or religious belief, because Andre's faith is a is a main focus of the film, and there is that that aspect where he refuses to do paintings of people being tortured. Or put into hell, but he wants to do paintings that remind people of each other's humanity. He kind of wants people to to get along because you can kind of see it in the world of the film. Everything is shit. And so, like, you know, getting people into... (laughs) I, I, good. I, you have it. I, I, I feel bad because <laughs> I've been talking no, for like five straight minutes. You're on a roll. I, I, sure, I'm on a roll. But I, I can say something if you want someone else to talk. <laughs> well, 
I want to have a conversation with this. I would. I can I yeah. add something to your conversation? Yes. Because I think it will. Add. Sorry, I I was like ready to say something, and then my phone started ringing, and it I couldn't get it to stop. So here we are. Um, thinking about what you're saying about kind of unapologetic, like here is the church. This is what they were doing. They were not experiencing joy or letting people really feel joy, but also you know this is mm-hmm. life it kind of made me think of and there was something at the beginning when Kirill is talking to Theophilus the Greek and he said your paintings have so much depth they have so much faith you're not simplicity or, Andre, without gaudiness yeah huh simplicity oh, his, his, with gaudiness without mm-hmm. gaudiness without, without gaudiness gaudiness yeah Oh man, I just God like misread bad. it every yeah. single time he said that, and I was like, interesting Dang. that it's emphasizing <laughs> the like. Anyway, I guess. I'm Anyways, wrong. yes, that, that that's what he said. The decadence. Well, he was just saying that Andre's paintings don't have the depth of faith mm-hmm. as much. Like you can kind of see. I don't. It's hard to explain. Uh, they lacked humanity, is what he said. It, it lacked humanity, but also you can look at something, and even if it's it looks identical, you can tell when something has depth and when something mm. doesn't. So. Mm-hmm thinking about that and then I was also it made me think of the conversation that I had with my friend um about the seventh seal and about Lutherans especially losing mysticism and losing the mystic side of Christianity Mm. and of religion and how I kind of sense that Andre is seeking that when he's walking around and he sees the pagans and instead of leaving you know at first he's like we should leave we should leave there's something wrong and he sees them and he runs towards them and he stays the whole night in the forest um, and just kind of seeking mysticism and seeking a reason for faith. And then he kind of just dies for a long time until he sees the bell. Um, So thinking about what kind of religion is it that's just muddy snow, I guess, if that makes sense as a metaphor, and what kind of religion is full of joy and is that I don't know snow imagery. Me, I don't. I just love snow a lot. Um, so like the muddy snow on the road that you're just like, man, that's disgusting. Versus like the first snow of the year, and it's just like so joyful and sparkly, and it's just like amazing. So it's eats. it's kind of like the same f- mm-hmm. faith, if that makes sense. Like it's all snow, but Andre is trying to find the joy in the faith that he's been plodding along in for so long. Well. I find that an interesting point because I see the salvation in this film not coming through religion but through art, through uh, – th- the, the film itself is following artists. Mm-hmm. And there is a beginning section that is pretty much unrelated, it's seemingly. That, that first section of the inventor with the air balloon mm-hmm. that, that he builds yeah. that uh, crashes and he dies. He dies. Uh, yeah. So in the extended I cut, to believe. Oh. yeah. So he he falls I was like, to the I ground. I just believe that he yeah. survives. <laughs> in the extended nope. cut, uh, it has a shot of then a, a horse falls down on the ground and like rolls around trying to get up, and then it pans That's over awesome. to him lying there dead as the balloon deflates and yeah. causes bubbles in the no, water. That's, that's in the shot. That's in that's there, in but you don't saw... see his body. Yeah, yeah I remember the horse rolling around, and I yeah. remember the balloon kind of like yeah. deflating. But, like, I, I didn't took notice that the body pretty obviously as him being dead. The horse, the... The horse thing was like, okay. He's in... just having fun. He's just rolling around. I was like, the horse is just rolling over. And then I started thinking about the time <laughs> that I took riding lessons, and my horse kept rolling around. Oh, that's yeah. 
It uh, reminds me of the end scene in Kagamusha spoilers, which is just it. Well, it's not, I guess, the very end, but a lot of the end of the movie is slow mo shots of horses rolling around to I guess... to like signify just rampant destruction and death. Well, and this movie symbolizes. This movie has horse symbolism too. I, I was about I to say the what... horse like falling down the stairs. I yep. was so concerned. Yeah, I was like, "Please, so is that horse so, okay?" Uh, very, whether or not this feel, makes you feel any better, uh, that was real. It was done all in shot. They sourced the horse from a slaughterhouse that was going to kill it the oh. next day. Jeez. I honestly don't know if that makes it better or worse. No. Um, so they were just like, let's push this horse off some stairs and it'll break mm-hmm. its leg, but that's fine because they're going to kill it tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and in the extended version, there's like a shot uh, of a horse being like impaled with a spear. Whoa. Oh. Like that the destruction of this city is is what is. It's horrifying. Expanded. I think it's and time like, we cancel I, this yeah. movie. That was really Trump. <laughs> like difficult to watch i don't know uh-huh. the way that he used sounds mm-hmm. and didn't show you anything but he sure mm-hmm. let you know what was going on and well, i just was really uncomfortable that is the the turning point of the movie that's the moment where andre uh, andre loses like everything yeah he, he he loses that that belief that he has that like he was arguing with uh the greek and he's like this uh, the Greek is like everything is pointless and meaningless. Every baseness that humanity has has been done again. If Christ came down, we would crucify him again. And Andre's Andre comes in. Andre, Andre, he I comes believe it's in. Pronounced Andrew. And he he gives. I had to look up uh, things to figure out exactly what the 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 controversy in what he was saying was because it very much offends the uh, theos- theosophies, the Greek. Theophanies? Theophanies, the Greek. Uh, oh when boy. he goes through uh, the passion according to Andre, where he basically says, if the Christ was crucified, it was by the will of God, not by the will of man. Mm. And so it's in, in some way in, either implicitly or... Um, Explicitly tying this idea that suffering itself uh, is, in a sense, ordained by God to some mm. purpose, right? Which which uh, is so fast. Sorry, I'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, no, no. But, um, I think that's fascinating because it's not an idea that would have existed in the 1400s in Eastern Orthodox tradition. That's yeah something that's much more 1960s. recent. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, it's also I think a little bit more. Uh, even Reformation, post-Reformation era, uh-huh. restructuring everything to be centered around the will of God instead of around like the being of God, which involves also the restructuring of things like freedom to not mm. mean freedom from something, but freedom to do whatever you want. And therefore, well, if God is sort of this ultimate being, are we limiting his power by saying that he can't do evil things or bad things or things that seem bad to us? Mm-hmm. Because... Well, maybe the idea that God is good in the transcendental sense is less valuable than the idea that God wills things. And so then we spend all of this time trying to figure out, okay, what the heck does it, how can all of this suffering exist in the world? And we have this idea that God is is willing it mm-hmm. instead of recognizing as a lot of Russian literature like Dostoevsky specifically talks about the idea that like 
actually no a lot of the suffering is not morally intelligible and it would actually be worse if that were the case Hmm. um so i think it's fascinating that tarkovsky is doing this because it's a very like modern thing to kind of project onto this older thing and in in the context of everything it's it's very maybe backwards from what would have been going on well yeah so that's part of the the whole thing with this movie this movie is a period piece out of period right it is uh really a modern film exploring the ideas and concerns that were in the modern world through examining how the world used to be. And I I find period pieces like this, these dirty period pieces, they're just grimy, very interesting, coming at it from a 21st century perspective. Uh, Films like uh, Terry Gilliam's Jabberwocky, which is like, a medieval like fantasy epic, but set in settings that are intended to just feel the way that medieval settings would have in that hmm. they are incredibly grimy, incredibly gross. Right. There is like no light anywhere. Which is also kind of what Kurosawa attempts to do with a lot of his Jedi Geki films is to specifically bring that kind of realism and uncomfortableness to something that's normally painted in very like, you know, very like pretty looking lines. And he instead does the last scene in seven samurai, right? Which is the like yeah. last hour of just rain and mud everywhere and everything sucks well, and, and they can't even afford rice and they're eating millet. A lot of the time nowadays we hear people talking about, I feel like I am like spiritually in this, time in the past because the aesthetics of that time period the um like philosophical values of the upper class align with what i'm feeling now Mm -hmm. but all of those sort of like desires seem to be drawn from this version of history this magic school bus version of history that a lot of us kind of live in Mm -hmm. accidentally where we know yeah, yeah. I, like, clarifying question. You said spiritually. Like, people feel spiritually connected to a specific time period and, like, the values of that period. Have you heard people use that specific language? Because I've never heard people feel spiritually connected to a certain time period no, well, so, well, they just like the vibe. I, I was saying spiritually in the sense that... Um, in spirit, at the way that that would colloquially like, be phrased, like postmodern like, spiritualism, my spirit animal is like totally uh, a fox. Yes, gotcha. yeah. in that sense, where people are like, I feel like I would have been more at home in the Victorian era, living in the Sherlock Holmes, yeah, or Here's in the, the 1960s. Like I'm, I'm I just want to add, can I add to that? Child yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I keep interrupting you because there's like a lag. Don't, so I'm just like, this Hut. is a podcast. <laughs> the whole point talk is over me. Everyone hates it. But we're <laughs> fine. We don't have to listen to them. <laughs> uh, You're not our boss, cool. Boyd. Oh. We will scream into you. <laughs> you got this. a good scream. Thanks. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, thinking about living, wanting to live in a different time period. So I love the late 40s, early 50s. Mm. Mid-40s are great too. Just like the mm-hmm. 40s, 50s, I love them very much. I love the music. I love the mm-hmm. style. I think that I would enjoy living there, except that I might not. And mm-hmm. I've had people ask me this a lot. They're like, if you could go back, would you? And I'm like, well, yeah. Like, part of me would just be like, 
fine being a housewife and I would dress super cute and I would have the best shoes and my kids would run off to school wearing wool pants and it would be amazing. (laughs) But at the same time, I would not want to live in that era because there Mm -hmm. were a lot of things not okay about that era, like homosexuality Mm -hmm. being a mental illness. Yeah. So or just I did, the, like, like extreme lack of agency that most people would afford you and Oh for sure. Well yeah, that yeah. too. But like I feel like you know it's fine. Um <laughs> No, like I would totally like to be a nineteen fifties housewife. Uh it would be garbage and you're like, Oh yeah, women's liberation, I totally get why that happened. But there is like this sort of sense where you're like, but wouldn't it be easier if I could just like be at peace with my existence in that way yeah. where I just I I I just I have a, a set function right and I can actually fulfill that function you just want to be married and I marry more someone in the really good. show so bad yeah and but marry then every a rich time I think handsome doctor that. or a yeah. not so handsome doctor but he's rich so you know and <laughs> no, he'd be handsome yeah because um, people in the 1950s they're all handsome we're not into the 70s yet where everyone looked like garbage but that's the best era no it's Everybody's not themselves because they all look like garbage and then you can watch 20th century women and billy crudup is supposed to be hot and he's not and that makes him hot yeah and it's so good no well the, se- the 70s are kind of great in that way and kind of terrible in a lot i mean of also I the it. fact that the government was like here have some lsd yeah we want to test it to but see i mean what to be does. fair you're talking about some of the era where they're like here have cocaine because you're yeah. a housewife. Oh, yeah, 1950s. Uh, take tranquilizers. See, you see, seem a see, bit but, too... like, the 20s and 30s, we had arsenic in our makeup, and it was so easy to just get rid of your abusive doctor husband and take his money. <laughs> just, like, some of my compact powder in the coffee cup. Yep. That's kind of incredible. Uh, I, I think... But anyway, what I'm saying is... I, I, and maybe that's what you were saying. I don't know. But I think of that era and that kind of thing, and I think about marvelous mrs Maisel and the very attractive aspects of that era and you're like oh that sounds great and then and then you watch something like carol that's like more like what would maybe an experience of that era feel like Mm. yeah um i haven't seen carol and it hurts uh it hurts that that is an apt description of carol i love that movie. if you want to hurt uh it's it's good it's a good movie to cry to on uh, christmas eve uh with a small glass of eggnog and <laughs> that's uh, my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> your lesbian sibling, you know, like yeah. it, it's a good, oh, a good I don't time. have a lesbian sibling. <laughs> Go get Just one. Just adopt one. You know, they're everywhere nowadays. Go, g- <laughs> <laughs> Go get you a lesbian sibling. <laughs> I might art. Well, we'll see. Well, I'll see what I'll I can see. do. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good movie anyway yeah. Yeah. i recommend it to people and i just know like i feel bad every time i recommend it to somebody <laughs> because i know they're gonna be sad if they watch it and like Aww. that's my yeah. fault but at the same time they need some it. movies hurt in a good way yeah. this it's, movie mm-hmm. is that so that sort of movie for the large swaths of the like 15th century that we just don't talk about Right. Or think about very <gasps> Can I much? add something really important to this yes. conversation? This movie is like that one Monty Python bit about grime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all continue. You're There's right, some good filth right. over here. I'm not sure that I know this bit. It's from the Holy Grail. It's, it's from the Holy Grail. Who, who I guess made I just you king? It. 
Oh yeah, it's where the peasants are asking Just who elected any- King Arthur to be king, uh, and they're I like, 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 have, like having a sword lobbed at you by a watery tart is a good sy- basis for a system of government. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that scene. I do remember that. Oh, there's a nice bit of filth over here. Nice. I just haven't seen it in a while, I guess. Well, it's good. It's on a list, so... It, yep. To me, it reminds months. me of, actually, it's that scene, but it's also the bunny massacre scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just shockingly gory and upsetting, and... Yeah. The yeah. bunny massacre scene? The bunny massacre oh, scene. Oh, bunny massacre. Okay. Yeah, when the yeah, bunny yeah. massacres all the people. Yeah, well, so that's that's comically, like bloody and horrific and this is um intended sad. to have you meditate on uh things being garbage yeah but i think somebody really pretentious would try to argue that that's what monty python does as well and it would be very funny to read <laughs> that would I'm be sure really that funny that actually well so reading some supplementary material about this film i i hear a lot of people like bag on tarkovsky fans uh, people who are just really into Tarkovsky movies because they're long and they're kind of artsy. Because they enjoy life. Uh, I think th- I do Carpe get... Wa- <laughs> I could see these films being, uh, like, in a modern sense, like, slightly tainted by the presence of the people who talk about them and the way that Christopher Nolan films are, sort of. Because mm. not as many people talk about Andrei Tarkovsky films, but reading people... <laughs> Uh, especially younger like film school people trying to write about Andrei Tarkovsky films, uh, a lot of them sound incredibly masturbatory. And yeah. I like, think... What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, well, you know, like uh, <laughs> here, uh, like Woody Allen films. <laughs> okay, so, gotcha. No, I'm tracking. By the way, I, fuck that guy. The way Ooh. I've returned to the pod. <laughs> it's me, Hanana. 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 What did you think of the movie? Hi, oh, personally, I freaking loved it. Wow. What are we talking about? Yep. Yep. It's, a, it's another three-hour, very long movie. I hated it. I couldn't sit through it. <laughs> you would not have enjoyed it. And she it runs very away. Russian. Uh, yeah. I think this is my first Russian movie. Really? Oh. Just realized. I'm the palindrome friend. <gasps> there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> You can come back and and fight Anna in the Lord of the Rings episode. Yeah, you know because that's, that's the one you're coming back for. Yes, <laughs> come on, please. <laughs> it's like my lifelong goal to get Hannah to watch Lord of the Rings movies because she just she won't do it. What? They're so long, I, but they're I, I get so good. They're not. They're, they're not fun. even as. I mean, I guess they're, they're as long as this movie, but they're way more interesting. They're very and, like, watchable. Yeah, they're way more entertaining. I would suggest that I ha- was not more captivated in the entire trilogy than I was during the bell-making segment. The bell was... The Honestly, that segment. was really interesting. The bell segment uh, is the most strangely riveting thing I've ever seen put on film. I, you get, like, so intense so when they're into lifting it. the bell. And that or poor when kid who's, to... like, whole family died of the plague, uh, and he's like, yeah. I know how to make bells! And, and he's, he's like so aggressive in like getting it done and i and i appreciate him. absolutely a lot of people have compared the bell making segment to the filmmaking process and being like <laughs> no so you bluff your way into I, it yeah you just be very 
very certain about everything you're saying. Then when the movie is released, you break down in utter terror, then weep into the arms of a strange man, admitting all of your darkest secrets and the fact that you secretly had no idea what you were doing yeah. the entire time. I was, gonna say, I was seeing him like crying, and I was like, oh, yeah, when the imposter syndrome hits. Oh, baby. <laughs> It's, no, that is a fascinating bit. That's the weird thing about this movie is that it begins with all these segments and you're like, oh, this is really interesting. And then, like, at least for me, throughout the second half of the movie, I got so sucked in that at one point I was like, wait a minute. I'm not, like, waiting for it to be, like, waiting for the next segment, I guess. It's true. Like it was with the first parts of the movie. It just, you get so caught in it. Mm-hmm. And, and with that context i think of having seen it before this is one of those few movies that it's like it's not an experience watch in the same way because i actually think knowing what happens aids the like experience in a sense like you have to have an idea about it yeah so andre tarkovsky's movies generally have a very unique rewatch value Hmm. where a lot of films they you watch them once and then you go back and you pick up different things. But in a, a Tarkovsky film, you it, it feels like you're just you're going on and on and you're you're standing still, you're like on a treadmill, yet somehow just you're in the exact same place every time, but you're seeing completely different things. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, the first time I watched this movie, I was telling this before we started recording. I kind of hate that recording. emotion. It's well, it's it's a it's an emotion that isn't necessarily pleasant in a way that we all want to feel, but it is rewarding in some sense. That's what I get like from like rereading poems that like I've already spent a lot of time in, or something that I've like written an essay on, going mm-hmm. back to that sort of thing. And you're like, I understand this more or different now, mm-hmm. but I've, I'm so thoroughly in it. I, like, I don't think I could probably ever watch like Ikiru or Seven Samurai, and it be like an experience again. It 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 ha- it like has to take on that kind of form that I yeah. feel like this movie has. This I don't know if that makes sense. Well, no. So that's it's it's a quality that is very essential to poetry in that way where it is drawing so much from the viewer of the art hmm. that it art is a conversation. All art is a conversation in some way between the author and the audience, but some pieces rely far more on the audience and therefore can just change so much more over time as the audience member changes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's very interesting. The big thing with Tarkovsky is that his his book that he wrote about filmmaking is called Sculpting in Time. Well, like that title. Yes, and that that is a major principle. I haven't read it much to my everlasting shame. I need to read it someday, but <laughs> as we all know, Koganata I have no time to read books. I can only consume media. Nom nom nom. In vast quantities. In, in vast quantities. Logged like nine things yesterday or something. <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I was watching That's a awesome. bunch of like experimental short films from the 1930s uh, and then movies about r- 
be people being exploited by religion. And then I've been rewatching a bunch of Sondheim uh, nice. recordings from the productions in like the late 80s, early 90s. Nice. Um, yeah, That's anyways. Like a whole vibe. Wow. So, but Andrei Tarkovsky, in, in the sense of sculpting in time, you see it more and more as his his filmography goes on. I, I've seen all of his movies. Uh, I I would recommend watching all of them if you in any Are way. Are they all three it, hours long? Uh, <laughs> I think this is the longest one. I this is his longest one. They are all long movies, except for um, Ivan's Childhood. Ivan's Childhood is like ninety minutes, but it, I think Mirror is really short. Mirror, Mirror is shorter, Mirror is like but it feels minutes. like the longest movie he's ever made. One hundred and seven. It's 107. Oh, okay. not bad. It's under two hours. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a, a mm. thing in his movies. As they go on, they do linger longer in the mm. moments that wind up happening. Uh, I love his last, his late period films. That they're a bit more controversial. Nostalgia and the sacrifice. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because they. They don't have uh, as many of the kind of, I guess, sticky qualities that these movies do. Uh, Andrei Rublev, uh, it it has it has a sort of like sticky moments to it, but especially in his like sci-fi movies like Solaris and Stalker, the science fiction elements are incorporated in a very unique way. Where Those like are the ones I'm most curious to see for sure. Yeah, definitely I watch them. Popular, I guess. Uh, Solaris Stunker almost made this list. Yeah. I I would recommend uh, watching Solaris after we cover um, 2001: A Space Odyssey. I was really was, hoping it would have the it, vibes of like the early bits of that movie. It yeah. was actually Tarkovsky's reaction to 2001: hmm. Space Odyssey. Fascinating, because he thought that the um, the the space travel felt so, too mechanical, hmm. and he deliberately did not like want to watch ships. Taking off or landing. Hmm. Ooh. Interesting. He wanted the movie to feel more organic and human in certain ways. So very like Hainish cycle, like Le Guin and like Paralandra and Lewis and like those kinds of science, science well, fiction Well, Solaris vibes. definitely, a, a lot of his works are drawn from like classic Russian sci-fi novels. Go. I have a No thought. visual bits. Go. <laughs> I'm just raising my hand because I have a thought. And I us. stuck it on my hand so I wouldn't forget it. I don't know if yeah. I'd do that. I like have a thought and I put it on my finger so I won't forget. I have a thought. Yeah. I think I've decided that I don't like long movies. I think that I don't respect them as much as I respect short movies. And I will add a caveat to that in that I love movies with space. And mm-hmm. movies with pause and movies with mm-hmm. room for silence and the sound of shoes. I love that. But when it's a three-hour movie and there's lots of space, I feel like it's lazy. Mm. That's just me. Well, it's And it's it a- reminds me about poems, okay? Because mm. a poem is trying to express the strongest idea with the fewest of words. And I mm. think... That it is more honoring to your audience to try and 
convey the space with as little space as possible while still leaving room for the space. And that makes no sense. And I can't teach you how to do it. No, but I know the short you... movies that I've seen hmm. that have space stick with me more than the long movies I've seen that have space because it feels much more intentional and more deliberate. And like, I must pay attention to it because that the director of a two hour film thought that it was that important to put in. But after too long in this three-hour movie in their space, I was like, man, you only are allotted this much space that I'm allowed to pay attention to, so make my time worth it. I have one question for you. Yeah. Um, okay. Is The Four Quartets less of a poem? Is uh, The Iliad less of a poem or Beowulf less of a poem? Because they are long and take sometimes multiple sittings to get through. Or because I've they never take... read the Iliad or Beowulf. Really? But that's... I've read oh. Four Quartets twice. That's, that's kind of, I think, more what I think this is doing, right? Like, you can, it's, it's pretty obvious that those are different kinds of poems, right? Like it's there's, true. There's the kind of poem that you carefully craft and you write, and it's this, like, somewhat small, concise, beautiful thing. And then there's some things that you kind of need to express in a different way, and you express them... Like I kind of felt like the four quartets did where it's like maybe he could try to say the sorts of things he's trying to say and make it in a page. Um, But there's so much more value to the fact that that's like 80 pages. I I just think it's that. But I still feel like each thought was more intentional. And I feel like in this movie and I felt this way in Lawrence of Arabia where it's like, dang, you just really had a lot of space and you didn't want to cut anything. And so it feels kind of wasteful. I don't think it's, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't want to, I don't want to debate you on it, but I I think that it's, it's doing some, it's still doing something different. It's not, it's trying to evoke a certain feeling or sense that takes very specific dedication on the part of the viewer, rather than it trying to communicate to you something in a very specific manner. It's, it's a, I don't really know how to describe it. It's part of the epic format and mm. and and reading epic poetry I feel like has helped in kind of grasping that. Like maybe I reading just Beowulf or something. Maybe I, I just know. doesn't vibe with it was my sentence. That's fair. But maybe uh, maybe that's just not the way that I c- like if art is a conversation, maybe I just haven't learned to speak that language or it's not my favorite way to have a conversation. I'd and that's totally yeah, fair. Yeah, that is yeah. that is totally va- valid, but I think especially it's a difference in the philosophy that is really peaking here in film in the 1960s. Mm. And I think it's kind of coming back around again as movie runtimes are just getting longer and we're getting a bit more of that. But we've seen this in the last few episodes that we've done. Why is the sound of music as long as it is? Why, like, what's up with the way that uh, Fellini uses space in eight and a half? What is up with this this sort of energy that's going through here in the 1960s? And mm-hmm. Andrei Tarkovsky is largely lumped in with this this unofficial grouping of people called like slow cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, another like major figure in it is like Bellatar, and so <laughs> <laughs> he's very much a part of it with his yeah. seven hour movie. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah, uh, Satan Tango. I I have seen it. Um, I'll get into that. But the philosophy going into these very long movies is that there is, it, it's not that there is more, like, plot or character or even, like, text necessarily within the film, 
but the space allowed within it creates a, a different sort of meaning. There is a meaning mm-hmm. in this this increasing of space, and that's why I view movies like this and like more mo- most the most recent movie I've seen that has uh, had this sort of vibe. Most re- recently released that is is uh, of course a hidden life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which oh man, that movie works so well. Yeah. I, but it, it maybe it's like I think there's there's some poetry aspects to it, right? It, and it's comparable to those those sorts of longer form things. Mm-hmm. But maybe in in a sense, it's more comparing a novel to a poem. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the way that you read. Yeah. I mean, I, again, the something I would compare it to is Middlemarch. I compared Middlemarch and Hidden Life constantly when mm-hmm. I was reading it. Um, but yeah, when you get that sense when you get to the end of a book or when you're f- going through it, like. Yes, it has, you know, parts where it's talking about very specific parts of like medical science in the Victorian era that this guy, you know, because he's making a medical practice. And mm. there's so many yeah. different characters in this. There's this huge web. But there's so much that can be talked about by doing that than by saying, here's the thing that I want you to know. And I'm going to do that through tight, vivid imagery real quick. Has anyone They'd... else read Moby Dick? Uh, I have listened I, I, Audible has told me I've listened to the entire thing twice. I uh, definitely have not listened to the entire <laughs> thing twice, or even once, or even probably a quarter of the way through. But I've had okay, it playing so anyway. into my ears for several sure. several hours. Um, <laughs> yes, I think I think what you're describing is kind of what Moby Dick is. There are three chapters describing how to draw a whale, and like using specific examples of people who drew whales wrong. And hmm. what color a whale should be, and several okay. chapters on how to like skin a whale. Which Middle March is not that even. <laughs> it's it's almost entirely spending its runtime in characters' heads and talking about characters. See, emotions, and but, I yeah. would like that. So maybe that's what my difference is. Because I've also pages. read novels like um, Far from the Madding Crowd. It's a slow moving novel. There's mm. just like. And there are, like, hey, we're going to talk about how to clean a sheep in this cool bath that we invented. Right. But it's not, I don't feel as wasted at the end. And I'm not trying to say that all art needs to speak to me because that's selfish and that's, like, not what art is for. But I felt like my time had been wasted at the end of Moby Dick. And I didn't feel that as much at the end of Far From the Madding Crowd. And I... Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't feel like my time was wasted at the end of Cleo from 5 to 7, which is a movie with space. Yeah. But I do feel... And, and I don't feel like my time was entirely wasted watching this movie. I enjoyed m- much of it very much. But I do... I almost feel like it's unkind. Like, I was thinking about this as I was, like, rushing to the bathroom before we started this podcast. But just... That I only have one life and I only have one year to be 19 mm. and I just spent three hours of it watching this movie and I spent four hours watching Lawrence of Arabia. Like, mm-hmm. I, for my sake, can you communicate your idea more concisely and be more intentional about the things that you want to tell me? Well, and, and maybe the this is you like think a, are important? a cultural divide, though, too, because... A lot of those very long novels that take their time and a lot of these longer films, they were made at periods in history where human life had more space in it, Mm, where people needed more time to fill. That classic John Mulaney bit, what was it like in the old times? We had to come up with slow activities to do all day because we had (laughs) nothing to entertain ourselves. Do we know anyone on the ship? No. (laughs) 
Why are you waving? Because we have nothing better to do. And yes. our modern life moves a lot faster, and thus the media that we tend to consume has gotten, like... Quibby. <laughs> it's, it's gotten faster, and there are Not definitely people who <laughs> criticize that, but I think that in the speed, you don't necessarily have to sacrifice substance. But it's telling that people will watch and binge through a show. Mm-hmm. And right. then we'll complain about a movie being two hours and 40 minutes long. Well, and here's another thing. It's, it's yeah. Like Star Wars moving three, being three hours or like the Justice League movie being three plus hours. That's like action the whole time. Mm-hmm. There's no space. I never, mm-hmm. I never watched the Justice League. Not in Justice League. Yeah. Well, well, There's no yeah. space, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, but yeah, I, I, sorry. I, I just was going to say when I think of it with a show, that's something that's meant to be short form. So it's to say it's like a half hour show. That's like twenty five ish minutes of right. dense, fun, hooky yeah. entertainment that and people then you do can just for like seven that. hours straight. Yeah, you can just be like, oh, I just get a little hit and a little hit and yeah. a little hit. I feel yeah. like we're trained to just need yeah. the immediate serotonin hit. Right. And 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 again, it's it's not that you have to watch a show that way too, because it right. also works if you spread it out. Yeah. But then as opposed to like a movie being like you're gonna spend two-ish hours yeah and it's not all going to be super dense maybe it will i don't know and i think and maybe some of that comes payoff. down to plot structure as well because yeah. if, if you're saying well star wars movie three hours whatever no it, i want to say that i feel just as wasted by it mm. yeah okay well because my thought was like well <laughs> I, I wonder if the desire in some ways is to have a very specific arc like coming coming for an arc to be met, a character arc, a, a story arc, and and when you want that, and you want that hit, the, where it, it makes sense in the end, it clicks, whatever, then you want that to be done more efficiently. Mm-hmm. But if you're coming to a piece of art with like the, what is the, like what's the the exploration? It, it, I, maybe it's it's a different it's difference between exploration versus like. Uh, structure if that there, sense, maybe there is some difference in the media there essentially because like there are a lot of shows and i uh, this this christmas the, i watched satan tango uh bellotar's like long movie and i did it after watching the queen's gambit <laughs> which is oh. of comparable length but is an episodic series and i got uh some slack uh flack that i wasn't expecting when i said hey so i watched like Satan Tango, seven hour movie, but I watched it as if it were seven one hour episodes hmm. of like a show because that consuming media like this and taking your time, I think is valuable and you're still getting value from it. But there is this sense in which it is, it is felt that it is necessary to be overwhelmed with, with media with this specific type of media mm-hmm. that I, I don't know if it's like cultural or personal philosophy, but I do get, because I don't always mm-hmm. watch. I, I try and make each give each piece of media that I watch the it's best platform to actually allow me to experience it. Like right. uh, I love these uh, Neo Giallo movies by Helene Cotet and Bruno Forzani but I can only watch them in about 15-minute increments. They aren't incredibly long, but they are so visually dense with visual information that if I watch it for too long, I become numb to everything that's happening. 
it's just always moving. It is just visually experimenting through an entire runtime. And so with movies like this, there is that sort of pride in having conquered something for a lot of people and this, this sense where a lot of people see the fact that you're being overcome by the movie and that it is pushing through your limits and making it so that you're unable to really engage with the movie right. because of how dense and vast and lengthy it is because it overcomes our ability to like engage with it there is some more value there that i don't like like a consumerist perspective of give me the thing that i'm here for maybe is that what you're saying i openly advocated to all of you that you try and watch this movie in segment however whatever way made it like the most comfortable viewing experience for you Mm. And I tried to do that, but Criterion Collection was broken! Yeah, so you didn't really have the time to be able to do that because of the constraints of this podcast. Mm. But this this movie is a series of fairly unconnected vignettes that, like, each individually have meaning and when put together have meaning, but I don't think have to be experienced sequentially without any time elapsing between them to be able to gain that meeting like if you watched one segment every month for a year mm-hmm. you might lose something but like watching it over a couple of days you're still getting that there but you aren't being just completely overwhelmed by the denseness of the movie i think even something like christopher nolan's tenant yeah because like there are a lot of movies that have so much visual information or thematic information in terms of Andrei Rublev that people just give up partway through the movie. Yeah. Like, like they're like, I can't, yeah. I, I don't know what's going on and I've, I've given up trying to. Mm-hmm. Whereas if, if you just take more time with it, maybe you do. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's, that's interesting because what I was thinking while watching this movie was I was actually feeling like I'm not giving these movies enough of a chance because I'm watching them on my laptop trying to get ready for a podcast when I could be sitting in the basement with the TV Mm -hmm. with, with the sound on doing nothing else, not (laughs) texting, not checking, you know, scores, not doing anything, just, just, just kind of seeing what it has and, and, and trying to experience it ironically kind of in the way that I would a poem, which is where I, I can listen to an audiobook and and get it done, or like a Star Wars book came out and I, I stick it on Audible and I get through it, or for a class and you just kind of skim through it, you get the basic information, you pass the test, you write the essay on it, but with a poem you're like, I have to sit down, I have to fully invest myself in it, and I have mm. to see it for its form as well as its content mm. in it in its entire not 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 always in its entirety, meaning write all at the same time but giving it all that I have in that way of, of really trying to see everything mm-hmm. that's there. Yeah, it does change and that's, things. Yeah. That's the only reason why I feel like something like Redbeard, which is, which is a straight three hour long movie that like, I don't know. A lot of people are like, I don't know about it. Um, is, is the kind of thing that I, you know, would want to write a thesis on because you, you just, you give it that amount of space. And the, and I do feel like that does come down to, ultimately personal preference um 
but I, I do like viewing media of, of specifically this kind or that has this kind of, you know, discussion around it as, as something that like I'm, I'm trying to understand more than I'm trying to get it, like get mm-hmm. the thing from it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I've noticed that too for myself. Like sometimes it's hard with the podcast movies to not see it as just something to kind of get done. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, that's something I've struggled with since starting this <laughs> and I want to get better. But yeah, it does change the experience. Like I've noticed when I watch movies, even just like for fun movies, if I like am watching it like downstairs at night, lights off, turn my phone off, just like watching the movie and that's all I'm doing. That's a very different experience than if I'm like, checking my phone during it and getting distracted yeah. during it. Like it's completely it's different. drastically changing. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I would, I gave this movie kind of a low score because yeah. I was a little bit bored with it sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know that I would rate it super highly if I had cha- had different watching experience mm. with it, but it probably would be different. I feel that way about Tokyo Story. Mm-hmm. Because that's a movie that I did do that experience yeah. for. And I didn't specifically plan it. I just felt like doing that. And it became like incredibly special and meaningful mm-hmm. to me. Whereas if most people who have watched it uh, in, in general vicinity yeah. <laughs> uh, is very boring and it's too long. Right. And I didn't really you know? give it the Which attention is, that it probably deserves. So. But it, it, I don't know. I just, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's fascinating. Don't, don't read my <laughs> most recent letterbox <laughs> review. What? Okay, this might be a controversial but. <laughs> take, but I don't think we owe art anything. You don't no. owe it to Tokyo Story. You don't owe it to Andrei Rublev yeah. to get it. You yeah. don't... Mm-hmm. In a sense, every time we go into like a movie that is intended to mean something beyond entertainment, because entertainment is a valid reason for something to exist, mm-hmm. sometimes there is something that you just need to let something off of yourself to be able to function. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a valid thing. But there are movies where you're going into it for something more. You're trying, there's a reason why you're going into this art. Yeah. And because the, the reason why you're doing that is not for the art. I mean, sometimes I go into a movie, I'm like, well, I need to see this because this is like famous movie and stuff. I owe it to this movie to engage with it, I mm-hmm. guess. But essentially what we're doing is we're doing this somewhat selfishly for ourselves to, right. in, in hopes of building something out of us. And every time we're taking a gamble, we're taking a risk. Is this amount of time that I'm going to be spending hmm. in, in, in a sense, like, like three hours, it, is this time that I'm willing to gamble? What do I have to possibly gain out of it and honestly it sounds like anna for you that the this amount of time that's spent on these sort of movies there isn't really necessarily something that for you is going to be worth that that gamble like if you roll snake eyes and i I don't know how craps works but if you like (laughs) win the game uh your (laughs) highest level is not going to like beat out the opportunity cost yeah i think that's a good way to express it and it did help me feel better about kind of saying like what what am i going to get out of it because that feels like a selfish way to approach art but you are right that i am kind of saying i'm going to 
join this podcast because I want to watch good movies or movies mm. that society thinks is good or that have something to say to me and I'm going to gamble on one of them and it might not speak to me, which has mm. happened to all of us. There's some movies mm. that have spoken to us more than others mm. and that's fine. I do like what you're saying about giving a movie the space that it's asking of you and I definitely didn't do that for this one and some of it wasn't my own fault like I saw that it was three hours I was gonna watch it in two sittings and last night everything was broken and so I watched Mm -hmm. it in five minute increments where it would like buffer and then I'd get like a chunk that was super laggy and then it would buffer again it was terrible and then today it was kind of doing that same thing so I was already kind of not grumpy about it but I was kind of like Mm -hmm. I wanted to experience this differently um yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. And about like reading, I don't know. I don't know if I have more to say right now, but I guess I'm thinking what my mindset is as I approach art, but also as I approach time, because it's kind of something that's come up for me a lot this year is the way that I approach time. And I'm a very, I'm a very timely person and time is something that I'm always aware of and is really important to me. So in some ways, I really like it when a movie asks time of me, like Patterson I love mm. the time that it asks of me to just sit and be there and look at the waterfall. Um, mm-hmm. There's other movies that do that too, but I guess maybe I want to spend my time looking at beautiful things. And if it was a beautiful, like, I mean, it is a beautiful movie. The cinematography, it's amazing. And like the colors and the light and dark the whole time I was like, oh. wow, that's really cool. Or like, wow, that probably symbolizes something. But I guess maybe part of it is that it's not, beautiful to look at as much i'm just like wow another hour of russia being muddy cool i wonder how you would feel about a hidden life then because Mm. that movie is gorgeous i think i would love it i think that i think that would like kill me and and a reason why i am a bit sad that we didn't wind up doing stalker is because uh stalker is essentially there are a number of readings of it but the most the biggest consensus of readings I've seen is a uh, a dialogue about uh, a scientific naturalistic view of the world and a mystical religious one, mm-hmm. and uh, a dialogue between them. It is shot in uh, color and sepia. It is an absolutely gorgeous movie um, in a way that this movie is too. There are there are Water in the water rushing through the reeds moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this, which uh, or like I, when the paint was going into the water and it was really pretty. Uh, that was actually I think that was milk. milk yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. Although it might have been paint because uh, the kid was like it. going whoosh, with milk on his yeah. face and he was just like oh, yeah. taking it. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> that specific Sin. moment. Uh, there are a lot of a lot more moments like that in. Tarkovsky's future movies uh I really love The Sacrifice because it has a lot of those uh Stalker has more uh Solaris where I'm taking like the water through the reeds thing there is a solid like one or two minute shot of just like these underwater reeds being blown along by a river and just like twisting in the river in that movie uh and it just sticks in my head but Maybe we could do a bonus episode or something. I was literally about to say we should do a bona- bonus bonus episode, Baraka by Ron Frick. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard you speak about yeah, that. Yeah, that has been on my letterbox watch list it's forever. Very good. Uh, and I 
go purely on instinct when I'm not doing this podcast. So I will uh, watch anything when I suddenly get the hankering for it. And I honestly have no idea when I'll ever be in the mood for that movie, but it'll happen at some point. We will have it two kind of... bonus episodes. We'll do Baraka and then we'll do But I'm a Cheerleader. <laughs> yeah. So that way there's one thing that fits the mood. There you go. You, know? <sighs> you, you haven't seen that movie, have you, Anna? Sorry, my I accidentally ripped out yeah. the cord of my headphones, so I didn't hear oh. any of that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're at some point just all going to watch, but I'm a cheerleader and talk about it and post it on our Patreon uh, <laughs> because that is one of my favorite movies that I have shoved upon it's everyone one of I know. My favorite movies, and most of them have reacted positively because we run in those spaces it's that excellent. might enjoy those movies. I, I did have somebody who watched the film and was like. I don't know. There's like a lot of agenda here. Would I like it? Uh, so, you know, not naming names, but if you're listening, you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, so. You should just do like Patreon episodes where we all watch our top favorite movies, which is like hard to identify, but mine is like always Lars and the Real Girl, like forever. I've been curious about that because it looks so good. It looks like the type it's of movie. I, I, I was experiencing this recently. I watch extreme horror movies for fun because I find it cathartic and legitimately releasing. I it doesn't push triggers for me the way that like violence does for some people and like yeah. blood and Speaking stuff. Speaking of violence, I might have to dip out for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one. Mm-hmm. There at, there isn't actually much of any violence in that. Just oh. so you know, uh, I said it was it's, implied. it's mostly implied. Yeah. Uh, but there is a great deal of terror. You can you can see uh, make an informed incision. You do not have to. Uh, I would also just thoroughly enjoy you going into that the thing without seeing the movie, and I just explain what happens to you. And I also watch just face. don't want to watch it alone. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. And I no wonder... one in my family would watch it with me. But I wonder when you end up being out here, or or when yeah. we might be able to do it together, because I will probably uh, react be... the same way that you will. <laughs> yeah. That, right. Oh, that would be fun. If 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 my reaction to the Chicago trial of the Chicago Seven is any indication. I can break down at any time. So yeah. we'll see. Well, here's the thing. Okay. okay. I watch extreme horror movies for fun. The movie Elf uh, has caused me to almost vomit. <laughs> pure anxiety. Uh, awkward socials, on the I, social si- situations uh, yes. like that. Um, movies that rely upon people just deciding to do stupid things or... I can't watch most mainstream comedies for that sort of reason. Mm. I find they're so awkward. Yeah, just I feel that. I, I, I can't watch Judd Apatow movies. I, yeah. I can barely watch The Office. Um, mm-hmm. Even oh, the yeah, later movies. Yeah. Office really does hurt. I don't like really. I I tried to watch the British one, which is so much worse for that factor. Oh, interesting. You get thirty seconds into that thing and you have to turn it off because it's like oh, yeah. what you oh, think the goodness. American Office is, but it's like times eleven. It's Dang. just insane. Oh, it's so bad. It hurts so but, bad. Uh, like everybody loves the Safety Brothers movies now. They look mm. pretty. I, I've mm. seen both of them. It's uh, a good time still. I oh my g- goodness! I that just destroys you. You I, can't leave that I, movie without just I being. I did not have shaking. fingernails wait, hold, wait, hold, after. Wait, sorry, I don't yeah. want to. No, no, no. That. I'm really curious, like what specifically about Elf though, like oh. makes you like on edge. <laughs> well, uh, what specifically about Elf? If there's a specific thing, uh, you can point Will to. Ferrell's entire persona okay. and every action and word he says in that movie. What about the bit where he eats okay. the gum? I, I that's probably I the don't worst even part. That. I've seen the movie. No, really? the worst part I've is been... when he goes into the coffee shop and says, "Congratulations." Oh, 
I have had three people force me to watch that movie because <laughs> they are like, no, you're gonna love it. You just weren't in the place for it before. What about Napoleon Dynamite? True. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite is is fine. That's the thing. It has it's more like, heart. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's specific. Soft. And okay. I can't pin it down. Hmm. I just know it when I feel it. Okay. Like uh, what ruined me last honest. night about uh, Stations of the cr- Cross uh, was was that whole whole thing there it really hits me when there's an aspect in which someone is like living in bad faith in the um sardian sense uh i believe jean paul sartre is the one who came up with the term uh living in bad faith but it's where you are not uh experiencing reality in I don't. I don't have. Like I just drank six shots of espresso. Honestly, for some reason, uh, talking about existentialism right now, just my brain is like. <laughs> Let's talk about the seventh no. seal again. <laughs> yeah, oh, I do feel like there were parallels with that movie, but I mm. felt like, in a weird way, I, I said in the group chat, I was like, "This is like what I thought that that would be," mm. and I would say that the seventh seal is more concise, but I felt like. I maybe had more opportunity to like bask in ideas in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that like served my experience positively. Yeah. There were other things about my experience of watching the seven seal that need, need work, but it's uh, well, <laughs> needs work. There, there are things. Okay. Uh, if I remember correctly, you watched that on an iPad on your knees <gasps> in my car on the way to the recording. That was studio. just the last five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna uh, hit I everyone that you watch it again and give it the space because I, I have the opposite opinion of these two films. So. My my so the my plan last because last summer what I did was I went through a Kurosawa movie every day without fail until I'd gotten through it all, writing up my thoughts, and that turned into good things for me in my brain and serotonin. And, and love and I also kind of mm-hmm. did that for Chaplin I didn't get all the way through everything Chaplin did mm-hmm. but anyway the, the, there are three directors that I like really want to do that with and it's totally going to destroy me if I do them all in a row if I do Ozu uh, oh, Bergman and Tarkovsky I will die like yeah, there's no way I could survive um, yeah. and I will well so it. Tarkovsky is kind of mercifully short he didn't mm-hmm. he doesn't have that extensive of a filmography right, but like, Bergman has like 44 and, and Ozu has like 30 something because like eight of his movies are lost whoa yeah yeah because he because he was directing in like the silent era and then you know some things oh. kind of happened in uh in japan i don't know if you guys are aware what? of this i only know one thing that happened in japan what what happened oh god what happened <laughs> anna you need to tell me what happened <laughs> my brain shut off i was like ha uh, are you thinking Nothing. about that time that america did a did a oopsie yeah. Did, uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. There, of. there was, Mass- the, you know, in, in World War II, uh, I think it, I think it was a, I can't remember if it was a specific warehouse of like Toho's that got just like f- burnt, just just burnt to Oops. the ground. They lost so many classic Japanese films, and that is a result of yeah. World War II, probably America, because you know we're so nice to the Japanese people, aren't we? We're so we did only good things. <laughs> Well, there, yeah, there's, there is a lot of lost cinema that is just tragic in its lostness and pieces. I'm remembering back to our housemaid episode. Uh, oh yeah, with the hats. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Cutting and the thing with the stairs. Oh reinforced yeah, reinforced hats. Because yeah, yeah, that was an interesting note. And also, you were gone that week. Just thinking about how many times people fall off stairs, and I don't know. That's uh, that's what I the thought. The horse you, fell off the stairs in this yep. movie. There's so many. Maybe we should make a whole list of the falling off of stairs. Um, but <laughs> that's my new litter box to lits. Lits. <laughs> lits. List. Speaking of which, this whole conversation started because you were asking if Elf. Or Lars and the Real Girl was as awkward as Elf, and the answer is no, it's not. It's as heartwarming. Well, it's like the same way that Napoleon Dynamite is heartwarming, so is Lars and the Real Girl, but times a bajillion. And it doesn't have as much awkward. It's not as awkward. It doesn't feel like a very awkward movie to me. No. It it might be it might be chill. I I don't know. I, I I I do avoid those sort of those the movies that look like that for that reason though. Yeah. Until I just decide to watch them and hate myself. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's a it's a nice movie. Okay. I you wait, I do, I can't remember the order. I think you showed me that movie and I responded with 20th Century Women. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. So if we all went and mm. did our like pet picks, I'm I'm just curious like what so Anna's would be Lars and the Real Girl, right? Yeah. Probably. Uh what would yours be? Come uh, back to me. <laughs> Chicken Barrette? Because what, what is your name? Because Francis Ha is on the list right. because I made this list. Oh, so okay. I got to fit yeah. a lot of my movies in there. I did movies I did not stick mm-hmm. in there. Uh Patterson, The Last Unicorn, Columbus, Twentieth Century Women, mm-hmm. uh A Hidden Life. Um, just off the top yeah. of my head, though a lot of those directors do feature in the list. Um I, I would probably would go with Columbus right I now. I mean you've already gotten most me to watch most of those movies. So because they're good. Yeah, no, I, I I've enjoyed them. They're so um, good. I want everybody to watch pick. the Last Unicorn, but I but that movie is like so something to me that I don't think I could take it if okay. you guys didn't like it. Like I think my <laughs> I think I would like my brain would just melt. In I, my I head made uh, pour out my ears. I watched it when I was younger, and I made an attempt one night, but the synthesizers uh, were aggregating and aggravating a headache i already had so. that's what it yeah. yeah there's something about that movie that like really got under my skin both times i watched it like just yeah. like legitimately it's under eerie. my skin and anyway but yeah columbus uh, hunter what, what would your pick be i was looking at my five star movies to try and get an idea and i don't <laughs> interstellar <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good choice actually it's a, yeah. it's a pretty okay movie. It's really good. <laughs> Not one of my favorites. Making it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm almost wondering about like, like if I was going to like, I, I see, I don't know who's seen. Actually, I guess I could look, can't I? What? You, you can. <sighs> I don't know. Because it, should it be something that like you guys haven't seen though, most likely? Like, it just doesn't your matter. Because well, yeah, if I, it's, I've it's seen Lars and the that, Real Girl. Right. That you if I'm want not, us to watch. If I'm not thinking in actually. terms of like, you've already seen it. I would maybe go to something like Ten Cloverfield Lane, okay. or like, yeah, <sighs> that fucking... works until it doesn't. It works the whole way, and you're wrong. I, I have. Pretty <laughs> I am. I. Yeah. I will. Okay, for once in my life, I will accept that I'm wrong about. <laughs> no, something. I am wrong in the no. fact that I think that the last ten minutes of that I, movie ruins the no. rest of the movie. It does not ruin. I mean, the it's rest a, of the movie. It's not an uncommon opinion. It's not. Uh, it isn't. I think it's fine. Oh, okay. I think you. No, I See, think that's actually mind, extremely. See, in my mind, the last ten totally minutes of that movie still has Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it. Oh, that's exactly. a good point. And yeah. so, uh, it cannot be ruined for me. <laughs> um, on that basis alone. Yeah. Or, or maybe something like 
Cosmic Edge of Tomorrow or something just because mm. I think it's a really clever and fun yeah. like sci-fi action movie. Yeah. yeah. And it's a sci-fi action movie for the whole time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I do like that movie. Yeah. Was it, what about uh, yours? Was well, your, so... El Sur? Uh, my, my pick actually would be El Sir, uh, believe oh, it or man. not, uh, because I don't want to cause you all pain. I don't want to push <laughs> you out you. of your comfort zone if you don't want to. Thank and El Sir is a beautiful, sweet uh, movie. Uh, fairly, it, I I don't even know how to describe how that movie works for me. There is a scene in which someone sits at a table, and I think she's reading uh, a letter she uh, found that her father wrote to like a past lover. Uh, and she's just sitting there, and she's just reading the letter, and it did something to me. I'm not entirely sure like what it was or how to describe hmm. it. That that entire it I'm really obsessed with just like the feeling that a movie gives you and I'm not entirely I sometimes describe it as like atmosphere or like when I'm being really uh, zoomer Je ne sais the quoi. vibe mise en scène. I don't know what that actually means. Mise en shrubbery. Uh, it's it's something. It's something where you're just all of the elements combine, and it gives this, this, this feeling to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I love that movie. I think more people should watch it. Um, they, I, I really want to find uh, Victor Uris's. Uh, he directed three films. One of them's a documentary, and that's the one I haven't seen yet. Gotcha. Um, he, he also directed The Spirit of the Beehive, which is also great, but. Uh, I, I don't think it, it hits for me the same way. There is a beautiful scene in which he uh, brought a projector to a small like village and he showed a girl uh, the film Frankenstein for the first time and just this small little girl like, no, so it, the old Frankenstein movie. And it was the scene where the little girl gave Frankenstein a flower and he just shot her face. And it, it was like the first film she had ever seen in her entire life. And there was a, a face of just pure joy. And that, that moment has really stuck with me from that mm. movie. I think we should do that. Like, I think we should probably do like a, maybe a, like a series of bonus episodes or a Patreon yeah. thing. Where we each get to like talk about our favorite movie. Because, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't tell you anything about Lars and the Rainbow. You just have to watch it. It's true. Yeah. And I'm not saying I know the anything plot about because Columbus I, uh, because I probably have read already synopses, said it before, But, <laughs> yeah. Um, that sounds anyway. good. We'll do that. But but in the meantime, we should probably wrap up. Yeah. Because it's that Just time. Please. Uh, thank you for the things that you did, um, person listening to the podcast. Um, you did things. And, and you're hopefully, doing a good job. You really are. We're proud of you. Yeah. Uh, there's a few things that you might want to improve on. No, no, um, no. You're doing great no, right where yeah. you are. No, I think they know who I'm talking to. I think they know exactly who they are and there oh. are things that they can improve upon and they can okay. do that by going to movieoverloadpod.com. Oh yeah. Finding us on all of the social medias True. and 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 either giving us some follows or just mm. some encouragement. We used to say send us hate tweets and we stopped saying yeah. that because we never got any and you could really be that person to send us some hate tweets. Send us we a hate tweet that. about my comment about three hour epics. <laughs> oh God. Don't, don't read my letterbox. <laughs> Wait, I movie. already did. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I felt when funny. I put that out, I was like, Oh no. Like uh, there's, there's, there's going to be some instance in which this comes up. 
somehow someday yeah. and you offended me of all people. and and i will and that's that's probably like my most aggressive rant that i've put on letterbox yeah. <laughs> anyway you offended. can find our letterbox as yeah. well yeah. on the web well you should be able to find it on the website so it'll be there the list yeah the <gasps> list should, like, on i should account. link it yeah, I should. We have our own that's on movie the... overload letterbox account. Yes, which is so yeah. I cool. mean, yeah. I would. Uh, while we're talking about it, uh, I would say that we need to update the website a bit, just sure. because uh, it still says there's three of us, <gasps> three friends <laughs> who are doing this, yeah. which uh, hasn't been You're true. Right. Sorry, in a few we're not episodes. trying to disclude you. I mean, you know, uh, no, it's me. I I don't I'm not, think I'm not friends. <laughs> no, I don't think that's I true. remember. The third episode I did here at all, like it's uh, why? I, I pr- why it was do you probably care just about the third there. episode that you did? Yeah. What? What would that have been? Why is that relevant? No, so there were only three friends in that episode because I uh, wasn't oh, present mentally. The, the, gotcha. Yeah, yeah you know. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I think uh, that's the only time it's been true. Cleo from five um, to seven. Yeah. Oh no, it wasn't. No, the third that episode. That was when it was. These it was three is the first time. It was only two friends because you were gone. You were on a break for your theater thing, and it was like. Um, was that the four hundred blows? Four hundred blows. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that episode at all. I don't know what I. I did. don't remember anything. I don't know about what it. I said. I, I probably yeah. gave some bad t- t- takes that I'm going to be. Uh, Crucified, crucified for, for at some point Ooh. in the future. Yeah. Hunter, do you Bring have a quote for us? You really must have a man. I forgot. Uh, yeah. Thanks for kinda, listening. You should quote it in Whoa. Russian. You guys yeah. are so cool. I, I can't believe you listen. Russian. And 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 when we close out the episode, we say things at the end of the I'm podcast. Hunter always I says. Do. I thought it would be thing. really funny after you guys reminded me of the scene where she's like throwing milk at him to be able to have the direct quote where he's like. You shouldn't toss milk at people. It is a sin, a sin. or something. And she's like, why is it a sin? And he's like, because, because. it is. Yeah. Well, the IMDb quotes page is very, very sparse for this yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I tried to cheat things. with that. What's it didn't the, work. You, did you find any quote? There well, are like four quotes on there. Yeah, I looked at the They're good page. quotes. One they're, quote. Like, they're really long. There's one really long yeah. one. Okay. If I must pull one. No, you can do the the one darn. about knowledge bringing suffering. I think that's good enough. Um, Thanks for listening. Yeah, where is that? Thanks for listening. Oh yes, and the classic. Through with us through this long epic <laughs> podcast. If you like short form yeah. podcasts, don't True. listen to this one. <laughs> yeah, this uh, thank you home. for uh, our editor Hunter, who is also <gasps> uh-uh. our co-host Hunter. Oh my god! Uh, I note love that guy. to our... editing Hunter, you can remove the time that we're padding <laughs> while you're trying to find the quote it's fine hey, no i love Our, that every week as we say here when i pad to give hunter the chance to find a quote well first of all our editor is fred yeah which you oh, would know Fred-editor. if you had looked at our instagram page yeah Aww. i knew that yeah come on <laughs> i totally uh, have instagram uh, and the quote is the classic in much wisdom there is much grief and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow Oh, I was talking oh, about that quote that on the way Yoda? over. In that voice, it does sound like a quote from Yoda. I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are we finding <laughs> even more nice inspirations stealthy. for your precious Star Wars? <laughs> just, just going into Jim Henson, I guess. Chicken total. beaks. Yeah. Well, wait. The Dark Crystal is on this list. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh. Thank you. Oh, I hope Please. it still is. I hope I didn't take it off for some reason. Oh, you definitely Please. did in a fit of some did unknown I? insanity. Did I really? Uh, I don't know, but I... I Okay, we're fixing it. It's going back on. (laughs) Um, Also...
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. Cool. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Break and okay. scene. Boink. Bada bing, now. bada bang. I'm so hungry. Camel! <laughs> we got what? the camel! Yes! Hunter, yeah, forgot, thank you! I forgot to use it. That's true. Yeah. We also verbally quoted the French quote, but never actually played it. True. Which... I think it's the... Uh, it's the nope. Yeah, that one. Oh. Ah, the French. Nice. French. French. We got four buttons and we're gonna use it, dang it. That's that's the bonus bit for you, Hunter. Because you can replace their parts but they're still them. But at what point, what is it that you replace? Or is the car no longer the car anymore? You know, because well, you'll, you'll be able to tell, like, it'll be kind of obvious, right? I think that where is the car's soul hid? Yeah. Maybe the answer is, um, well, in the ship of Theseus, it's still the ship of Theseus because we're, it's the ship of Theseus because Theseus owns the ship. Well, Yeah. Uh, and in another institution, like, if you had every single part of your body removed, like, uh, you wouldn't, like, in a sense, every time a part of your body was removed, you'd become a different version of you. Just you, like, you know, because it's a version of you now that is missing such and such a piece. So it, it isn't necessarily full transformation, but just a series of permutations that can completely transform someone. Yeah, time. but but, the but when does the car so- stop knowing how to talk? Or oh, I think something. well, so all vehicles in the cars universe know how to talk. So if except if, for like the bugs, because there are cars yeah, that are bugs. That's a and good they're point. just bugs. Yeah. There, and, and actually, there are dead cars. Cars die. And they yeah. Die. Mm-hmm. Can they still drive? They need gas. So well, I don't think maybe they have they follow-up question. Um, mm. If there is a car Pope, then there was a car Jesus. How does one crucify a car? You know how you can grab, you know the, how they have the cops have those things that they like throw out and they like get gra- latch yeah. around your tires and stop yeah. you from moving. You, you grab, you use those and then you just, you, you lift him up. I think you just take the bolts out and you like extend out the axles. Oh, like I don't know. I followed that uh, a depressing Jesus movie by cars uh, too. a f- French ex- New Extremity film in which people are just skinned alive. So that's just where my brain Yikes. is right now. Okay, it was um, it was very cathartic. You actually, the like I was really depressed. What happens really when you replace after. the windshield? Do they have different eye that's colors? Eyes. Yeah. So like. They, it's like eye surgery, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, sure. it's not clean but they have, because they're but like... But they have parts of their bodies that cars don't normally have, like eyelids. Like, what's going on? They're biomechanical creatures as opposed to purely bio, bio, Are you sure? biological creatures. Well, they don't have, like, normal windshields. Well, and tires seem that, to be a bit like um, shoes. They can them. manipulate but their tires But they don't eat. They wheels. just have gas. They just use yeah, gas. That's yeah. true. Still. Yeah. Like yeah. They, sure. Yeah. Like they don't have anything that would 
that we would know would be biologically sustaining them yeah. like a carbon-based life form well, but at the same time not. they just, just a question like, like why do they have mouths then? right they have tongues to talk they have tongues yeah i know which is but a muscle why wouldn't which, they is, like which is biological like, but my point is that <laughs> there's nothing sustaining that right and maybe they don't see but maybe they don't need that maybe they have some weird process by which they convert gasoline yeah then to why do they not just energy metabolize it for any yeah. other reason other and it works their muscles which they have well, at that's least one of i think that that's... pixar just just chickened out because cars already have mechanisms by which to produce noise namely the cars the have babies oh yeah they, they have babies in there i don't know exactly yeah. is it a robot situation does anyone else remember i was gonna that? say like, is it robots, like robots where you get like hand me down you get, like you get a yeah. kid and then you, yeah and you like build it up like that that seems to sort of make sense within that universe. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's better than imagining cars being pregnant. Yeah, I don't... I, I, I'm I assuming that somewhere on the internet there's like a Rule 34, like oh. Pixar's cars, Disney Pixar's cars, like <laughs> attempting to make them sexual and Hunter, sex hate, stop, in some way. Stop. You always have to add lots to everything we I, talk I about, so unfortunately right, right. you have to find that now. No, you, please. Oh, no. <laughs> but, okay. Okay, you have to show... That is ridiculous. You have to show the whole class. Okay. Do you have enough to share? That... The, the head. It's oh! just the car. It's really not pleasant. It's just... Oh, well. I think that was, like, from a little Nas X tweet or something. He, like, shared yeah, that, he, being like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Should we talk about the male gaze in the Pixar universe? <laughs> and that's like a male character too. Like that's that's Lightning McQueen, but just with a Lightning oh, McQueen's a femboy, humanoid woman body. He's got boobies. Yeah. I... So anyway, should we this start the show? Anyway, no, we we never start the show. I'm I'm always just like just about this close to just just literally eating my mic. <laughs> <laughs> like Mike Wazowski no. does, and just can't really get in the laugh, and then you got to burp it. Can you spit it back out again? Try and it. He like catches it. Yeah, like that's awesome. Like, You're right. No, that was cool. It comes flying in my out. mind, it was like I'm done with this podcast. I'm no. eating my microphone. But I guess if I did that, then that would be kind of cool. That's what we should do at the end of Parasite. We should all eat our mics. So Anna.